0: Hey, welcome back to the South Stands, a Buckeye Football Podcast by Ohio State fans, for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Sunday, November 26, 2023. And I'm here with a few thoughts on number two Ohio State's disappointing 30-24 loss to number three Michigan in the big house yesterday. In the final season of Big Ten Divisions and the four-team playoff, the Buckeyes fall to the Wolverines for the third straight time. The Wolverines advance to Indianapolis to play a game nobody wants to watch against a team in Iowa that has no business playing for a Big Ten title. Man, 20 years from now, we will look back at the era of divisions in the Big Ten Conference and wonder what in the hell were they thinking Since the conference went from legends and leaders to East and West in 2014, the West division champion has never won the Big Ten title game. They are 0-9 against the East champions, very soon to be 0-10 after Michigan crushes the Hawkeyes next Saturday. We should be talking about an Ohio State-Michigan rematch today, and we're not. But that's just the way it is, and man, 2024 cannot get here soon enough. And be all that as it may, the Buckeyes had their opportunities to take down the Wolverines yesterday afternoon, and in the end, two devastating interceptions by Kyle McCord, who otherwise played pretty well, in my opinion, and Ryan Day's conservatism sealed the Buckeyes' fate in this game. So as always, I'm going to assume you watch and you know what happened, so I'm not going to talk about every single play from this game. I had actually planned not to do this pod today. I just wasn't feeling it for obvious reasons, but here I am anyway. I guess I just couldn't help myself, and... I'm hoping this will be a therapeutic exercise that might help me feel a little bit better about a game that I thought Ohio State could have and maybe should have won. Though, despite everything I'm about to say, I'm much more inclined to give Michigan credit for playing well and making just a few more plays than Ohio State than blaming the Buckeye coaching staff or any of the players for coming up short in this game. Kudos to Michigan. They were the better team yesterday. They deserve to win. So I'm looking at the box score right now. And I see a whole bunch of numbers that would otherwise point to an Ohio State victory in this game. The Buckeye defense held J.J. McCarthy to 148 yards passing. That's 64 yards below his season average. Blake Corum finished with 88 yards and 22 carries. Okay, eh. I mean, that's four yards a carry, which is almost a full yard below his season average. On the day, Michigan finished with 156 yards rushing, which is 15 yards below their season average. The Michigan offense finished the day with 338 total yards, which is 61 yards below their season average of 399. The Buckeyes had fewer penalties, only one for five yards. They held Michigan to three of 12 on third down, and the Buckeyes were better in the red zone. Ohio State converted all three of their red zone trips into touchdowns against a Michigan defense that came into this game number one in the country at preventing red zone touchdowns. And meanwhile, the Michigan offense only converted one of... Their three red zone trips into touchdowns. They were a top 10 team in that statistic coming into this game. So, I mean, how did Michigan win this game? Well, first, Sharon Moore wasn't afraid to take chances and play to win. Michigan was three of three on fourth down. Moore also wasn't afraid to reach into his bag of tricks in this game. He used backup quarterback Alex Orgy out of the Wildcat for a big 20-yard gain that helped Michigan kick a field goal on its first possession of the third quarter. Moore also called a halfback pass by Donovan Edwards that went for 34 yards at the beginning of the fourth quarter. That led to another Michigan field goal that would push the Michigan lead out to 27-17. The Wolverines were also plus two in turnover margin. That was huge. And they dominated time of possession when it mattered in the fourth quarter. The Wolverines played the running clock almost to perfection. Michigan held the ball for 10 minutes and 28 seconds of the fourth quarter. That was a huge factor in this game. And while their total statistical output wasn't all that impressive... J.J. McCarthy and Blake Horam both made timely plays when Michigan absolutely had to have them that were huge in this game. McCarthy whistled a 22-yard touchdown pass past the ear hole of Malik Hartford into double coverage to Roman Wilson in the second quarter. It hit Wilson right in the chest. He was able to possess the ball just long enough to break the plane before Denzel Burke snatched the ball away. The play was reviewed. The touchdown call was upheld. That put Michigan up 14-3. McCarthy also had several other pinpoint throws under pressure into tight coverage that helped keep the chains moving for Michigan that were huge in this game. And in the third quarter, after Ohio State tied the game at 17, Blake Corum took advantage of a slight misstep by Sonny Stiles at the second level to run past him for a 22-yard touchdown that gave Michigan a 24-17 lead. I also thought Sharon Moore did well to take advantage of Ohio State linebackers in coverage with his tight ends. Colston Loveland and A.J. Barner accounted for seven receptions and 113 yards receiving. We did not account for Loveland or Barner in our preview pod, and neither did Jim Knowles apparently in his game plan. (laughs) Both were huge oversights, as it would turn out. So the stats for the Michigan offense are far from gaudy. I'm pretty sure they tell you they don't give a shit about that. They win this game by not making mistakes controlling the clock when it mattered in the fourth quarter and taking advantage of every single opportunity. You know. Meanwhile, the Buckeyes are left wondering what might have been if Ryan Day could have been more bold on fourth down. Day had two fourth and short opportunities in the first half and decided to take the safe route both times. With the game tied at zero early in the first quarter, Day elected to punt on fourth and one from his own 46. And on fourth and two from the Michigan 34-yard line, Day elected to run the clock down to three seconds and attempt a 52-yard field goal with a kicker in Jaden Fielding, who's never hit a field goal from that distance in his college career. And then, of course, the two Kyle McCord interceptions were devastating. Both throws were forced into tight coverage to Marvin Harrison Jr. The first one that was picked by Will Johnson in the first quarter set Michigan up first and goal at the seven-yard line. I mean... Michigan needed four downs to convert that into a touchdown, and Blake Corm just barely got the ball over the goal line on fourth and one. But, look, that was a, a quick and easy score for Michigan, and in a one-score game, that loomed pretty large. And, of course, McCord's second INT on first down from the Michigan 37-yard line with 25 seconds left ended the game. I really thought the Buckeyes were going to get several shots at the end zone on that last drive, but McCord's interception obviously prevented that. You know, you're a road underdog against a top three opponent. Games like this are played in the margins, and the outcome can hinge on just one or two plays. Ryan Day's decision to play it ultra conservative on those two fourth and short situations with some of the best skill talent in the country at his disposal. And then McCord's two interceptions. Look, those were the difference in the game. Ohio State wins this game if I think Day plays those two fourth down opportunities differently and McCord manages not to throw those two interceptions. I thought Ohio State otherwise was very much Michigan's equal and played well in defeat. They looked very much like a playoff team to me. And I think this is where I want to end with some positives. I thought, you know, Kyle McCord in between his two interceptions played pretty damn well and helped keep the Buckeyes in this game. He finished the afternoon 18 of 30 for 271 yards passing, which was a season high allowed by the Michigan defense. He also had two touchdown passes. McCord threw a handful of deep balls that included a 24-yarder and a 44-yarder to Harrison Jr., a 32-yarder down the seam to Cade Stover, a 28-yarder to Julian Fleming that were all big-time throws. He shook off, McCord did, a rough First quarter, he was four of ten for 47 yards and the pick to Will Johnson, but then he went 14 to 20 for 224 yards and two touchdown passes the rest of the way, before, of course, the game-ending interception. A lot of Ohio State fans are upset with McCord. They want Ryan Day to reopen the quarterback competition next year. I'm personally torn on McCord. I mean, he's clearly not CJ Stroud, Justin Fields, and and probably Dwayne Haskins. But I think he has more arm talent than JT Barrett, Cardale Jones, and Braxton Miller. I saw one writer on Twitter comparing McCord to Steve Belisari. I mean, come on, that's just absurd. That's ridiculous. And look, I'm leaving room for the possibility, the likelihood, actually, that McCord can still improve and learn from his mistakes this season. At the same time... You know, I'm not totally against the idea of replacing him if somehow a more dynamic option becomes available during the offseason, whether it's, you know, through the transfer portal or a player that is already on the roster developing like, you know, Devin Brown or Lincoln Keenholds or the incoming freshman Aaron Noland. But look, that was a tough spot for a first-year starter yesterday in Ann Arbor against the best Michigan team of the Jim Harbaugh era. And I thought McCord, who is still pretty hobbled on that bum ankle, did some good things in that game yesterday and just came up a little short. So I don't know, maybe call me crazy and probably the rest of Buckeye Nation disagrees with me on this. I'm I'm okay with McCord. I'm still okay with him. Now, we may have just watched Marvin Harrison Jr.'s final game as a Buckeye and he did not disappoint. Five receptions on nine targets for 118 yards and a touchdown. Will Johnson was in his jersey all day. And in the end, I thought Harrison Jr. won that matchup. I also thought Julian Fleming was really, really good and made some big-time catches when it really mattered. Fleming's diving nine-yard grab on third and seven with the Buckeyes pinned at their own five-yard line late in the second quarter was about as pretty a catch we've seen from an Ohio State receiver over the last three or four seasons, and it came at a pretty big moment. I mean, if Fleming doesn't make that catch, Michigan would very likely get the ball back around midfield with plenty of time to score before the half. Now, Emeka Ibuka, though... He did catch a touchdown, and he still does not look like himself. Only three catches on six targets for 25 yards. Ibuka had an uncharacteristic drop on third down that should have gone for a first down Ohio State's first possession of the game. He was not a huge factor in this game. And I wonder now if maybe there might be a chance Egbuka comes back for his senior season. Only 35 catches for 451 yards and four touchdown catches this season. Those are far from the numbers we thought he'd hit this season after catching 74 passes for 1,151 yards and 10 touchdowns a year ago. Then again, you know, look, Jackson Smith and Jigba was a first-round draft pick after a junior season that was far less productive due to an injury. And perhaps, you know, Egbuka will take a page out of Jackson Smith and Jigba's book, right? he'll get healthy after the season, have a great combine, a great pro day, and he'll get drafted in the first round anyway. But I don't know. I'm still kind of on alert that for may maybe deciding to come back for his senior season. Trey Henderson did not have the impact on this game we all had hoped, but none of the running backs in this game really did on either side i mean 19 carries for 60 yards and a touchdown for henderson yesterday he also had three receptions for 19 yards against a really good michigan interior defensive line it was tough sledding for henderson i i thought he was impactful in this game though chip Trainum, he he actually ran pretty well uh, for the buckeyes in this game with the few carries that he got 37 yards on six carries on the day, Ohio State finished with 107 yards and 28 carries, 3.8 yards per carry. I, I don't know. I, I thought they well they ran it well enough to win the game. And on the whole, I thought the offense was actually pretty good from around the late first quarter for the rest of the game. I mean, the Buckeyes punted only once after the first quarter. And as I said, they were three of three scoring touchdowns in the red zone against a Michigan defense that came into this game number one in the country at preventing red zone touchdowns. I thought the offensive line held up pretty well against that Michigan defensive front. McCord was sacked only once, and that was Michigan's only tackle for loss yesterday. I mean, if you would have told me all that before the game, I would have said Ohio State wins. Now, on defense, I said it at the top. The Buckeyes held J.J. McCarthy to 64 yards below his season average. They limited Blake Corum to a full yard per carry below his season average. Roman Wilson, their leading receiver, had, you know, he had the touchdown catch, but otherwise was not a factor in this game. Wilson finished the day with three catches for 36 yards. Cornelius Johnson, who had a career day against the Buckeyes a year ago, was held to four catches on 33 yards. Michigan, as I said, was only one in three, converting their red zone trips into touchdowns. I felt like the defense played well enough for Ohio State to win this game. Now, the PFF grades are still being tabulated, but as of right now, Mike Hall Jr. finished as the Buckeyes' top-graded defender with a grade of 89.7, and I thought he played well. He put some serious pressure on J.J. McCarthy. Jack Sawyer and J.T. Tui Molowa also graded out well at 83 and 78.6, respectively. Only one sack of J.J. McCarthy yesterday, and look, McCarthy made some miraculous throws under some pressure, to his credit. But I thought Hall, Sawyer, and Tui Molowau were good both at getting pressure on McCarthy and also defending the run. And the PFF grades reflect that. It was a pretty good day from Davis and Igbenosan as well. He graded out at 75.4. He was great against the run, as we thought he would be. Igbenosan finished with a grade of 76.5 against the run and a tackling grade of 81.9. He really relishes playing the run. And a lot of fans have been down on Steele Chambers, uh, and he did get beat a couple of times in coverage by Michigan tight ends. But Chambers finished the day as Ohio State's leading tackler with 13. He also finished with the defense's highest PFF grade for tackling of 84.4. You know, it was frustrating to watch Michigan hold the ball and burn 10 minutes off the clock in the fourth quarter, but... You know, the defense didn't allow that back-breaking, explosive run that would have ended the game in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's what happened in last year's game against Michigan. That's what Michigan did against Penn State a couple of weeks ago. With the game in the balance late in the fourth quarter, the Buckeye defense was able to hold Michigan out of the end zone, and they did get the ball back to the offense with a chance to win it late. I guess you could argue that Jim Knowles should have had a better plan for the Michigan tight ends in the passing game. That would be fair and maybe he could have dialed up a special pressure or two that might have made a difference. But look, J.J. McCarthy, was, he was feeling it against pressure yesterday. I, I feel like you can't have it both ways with Jim Knowles. I mean, last year we crucified him for giving up all those explosive plays and not making opponents, namely Michigan and Georgia, have to drive the length of the field and execute in the red zone. Well, his defense did that in this game. And I think if Kyle McCord doesn't throw those two picks, we're probably celebrating how well the defense played yesterday. So I'm giving Knowles and the defense a pass. I think they were good enough for Ohio State to win yesterday. And on the subject of Ryan Day, look, he's now 1-6 against the top five. He's 1-3 against Michigan. That is not good enough, as we know. And I know a lot of fans today are calling for Day's head on a pike. But I hate to break it to you, unless he leaves of his own accord for another job or there's some scandal that brings an abrupt end to his time in Columbus, he ain't getting fired after going 11-1. and one. I'm sorry, Buckeye fans. And he's got the number 2 rated recruiting class coming in next year. The Buckeyes are going to be a preseason top four or five team again next season. Buckeye fans, Ryan Day is your head coach, certainly for 2024, probably for 2025 at least. So I'm not going to entertain the idea of a head coaching change right now. It's just not realistic, and it's a waste of time even talking about it right now. So what is Ohio State's postseason fate? Well, their playoff hopes, similar to last year, aren't dead yet. I think they played well on the road in defeat to a fellow playoff contender, and I think that's going to be looked upon favorably by the playoff committee. But just like last year, the Buckeyes are going to need some help, And their fate will come down to more than likely the outcomes of two different conference championship games the ACC title game between number five undefeated Florida State and Louisville, and the Big 12 title game between number seven, 11 and 1 Texas against Oklahoma State. The Seminoles and Longhorns will both jump Ohio State in this week's playoff rankings, but Florida State is without star quarterback Jordan Travis for the rest of the season because of an injury. Seminoles barely squeaked by Florida yesterday. Now, Louisville is coming off a pretty bad loss in a rivalry game to unranked Kentucky yesterday, but against the Seminoles without Jordan Travis on a neutral field, I don't know. Anything is possible. And look, crazy shit always seems to happen in the Big 12 title game, and Texas has been living dangerously for the last month, even with Quinn Ewers back in the lineup. I don't think they have an easy assignment in the Big 12 title game against a frisky Oklahoma State squad, so... Look, we're big Louisville and Oklahoma State fans next weekend, and we also need Georgia to beat Alabama. Otherwise, I think both the Bulldogs and the Tide get in. So those are our rooting interests next Saturday. Okay, that's going to do it for me. I'm not sure when our next pod will happen. I'll see if Paige and Chad feel like venting their frustrations on Thursday. If not, look for a pod from us after we know Ohio State's postseason fate in a couple of weeks. Until then, thanks so much for listening, and go Bucks. been listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.